Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. <laughs> He's like, what did Pastor just say? <laughs> no, we don't advocate that around here, all right? <laughs> well, hey, so good to see you guys. Glad that you're here. I realize that uh, spring has sprung, and uh, man, aren't you glad that it has? Uh, I think that it is here. Uh, different ones have said, yep, I think it's going to stay, and I, I hope that it does because I am ready for that cold stuff to be gone, ready to get on with uh, the summer and the, the warm weather and suntan and all that other good stuff, right? So, amen. Well, this is week number two. Obviously, we missed last week because of the, the weather. Uh, hopefully, everybody stayed safe and stayed in. Uh, but we're going to pick up from last week or what we were going to share last week. And obviously, we started a new series just two sessions ago, if you will. And the name of our series is called Taking It Back. Amen. And in regards to taking it back, what we're endeavoring to do to say this year, this season in our life, this is our time when we're taking back what the enemy has stole. The Bible says that Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. That means quality and quantity of life. And so it's time for us believers to step up and step out to say no more. I'm taking back my joy. I'm taking back my smile. I'm taking back my life. I'm taking back my home. I'm taking back my mind. I'm taking back my marriage because that's what Jesus came to do. And so we're taking it back. Amen. Say it with me. I'm taking it back. That's what this season is all about. We're going to purpose to take what God has provided for us and made available for us. Amen. And so if you recall, we started last week or the time before rather talking about Peter and just how Peter was much like you and I in terms of how we live life. The Bible says that he came in contact with Jesus, got to be friends with him, got to know him, got to know about him, had interaction with him, and actually became pretty close. But when we saw push came to shove, the Bible tells us that Peter denied Jesus And that actually Jesus, or excuse me, Peter went back to the old lifestyle once Jesus was gone. But once he was out there fishing, the Bible says that Jesus came back after he rose from the grave and presented himself again. And it was at that point in time when Peter came in contact, not only with the Jesus that he knew, not only the Jesus that was his friend, but he came in contact with the resurrected Jesus. And when he came in contact with the resurrected Jesus, it changed his life forever. No more was he the timid, bashful, not that he was timid or bashful, but when it came to standing up for Jesus, he was bold, he was confident. In fact, he was used mightily by God, right? And therefore, as a result of coming in contact with the resurrected Jesus, he wrote this, what we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 2. He says this, and he's writing this to the church. So in other words, it's to you and me today. He says this, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So in other words, he says, I've given you all things that not only pertain to your life with God, but this natural life. Aren't you glad that God isn't only concerned about the hereafter? He's not only concerned about 
eternal life or when we get to heaven. He's saying, I want you to enjoy this life right now. And I've given you all things that pertain to this life and a life with God. Then he goes on to say, through the knowledge of him who calls us by glory and virtue, by which having have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption or the corruption that is in the world through lust. So he says, you have been given some promises and through these promises, it will help you step over from living this life that once was the world or the pull of the world, and coming over to experiencing true life and life that Jesus came to give us. And this is what it was defined as. It says, life that is real and genuine, active and vigorous, blessed and devoted to God. Man, I like the way that sounds. I like having life that is full of life, vigorous, something that is just exciting, not just barely getting by. How many of you know that life passes you by real quickly? Do you remember the days when the old people, whoever the old people were at that time, said, you know, it's life goes faster and faster every year. It goes quicker and quicker. And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And are you at that place in your life now where you're thinking, wow, life goes by so fast. I mean, can you believe that we are almost into May? I mean, didn't we just celebrate Christmas? And here it is, May. I mean, the kids only have a few weeks left of school. Oh, dear God. No, (laughs) praise the Lord. I mean, they're going to be home with us for the whole summer. Come on. (laughs) Right? It goes by fast. But God says, listen, I want you to experience this life to the full that it would be genuine, that it would be real, that it would be active and vigorous, that it would be blessed. And he says that you might be partakers of the divine nature. So you realize when we read the Word of God, oftentimes it's very unclear as to how it's written. And so sometimes you got to do some study as to what words mean or do a word study. And so that word, those words divine nature is defined as this. He says, this is why I've came that you would experience life and godliness and that it would be help you to be partakers of this divine nature. And the divine nature is defined as this godlike, a mode of feeling and acting which becomes natural, which is opposing or opposes what has become normal to man. So in other words, what he's saying is that when you start walking with God and experiencing the promises of God, there is this God-like nature that we begin to experience that is different than just everybody else that lives normal. So there is a normal life, if you will, for the Christian that is superior, that is good, that is awesome. That God says, you can start to think like I think. You can experience the things that I desire for your life. And he says, that's not the norm for everybody else. That's apart from me. But do you realize that everybody that is apart from God or just that ordinary normal life is desiring the things that only God can provide? They're just looking in all the wrong places, right? Come on, I don't know if you're old enough to remember that song. Looking for love in all the wrong places. You remember that song? Come on, some of you are like, I don't know what the heck you're singing. 
as an old country song. See, <laughs> See come on. People are always looking to receive from, from this world the things that are fulfilling or will bring fulfillment to them. But really what they're searching for is this normalcy that only can be found in God. Come on, are you here this morning? God says that there's something that he's provided for you and me that is the true norm that is outside or opposes the normalcy of just the average Joe. And isn't it interesting how so much of the church looks to the world and says, gosh, I wish I could live like you. Rather than we, the children of God, setting a standard and an example where they're looking at us and saying, gosh, I wish I could be like you. I wish I could have what you have. I wish I could experience the peace that you have. I wish that I could have the marriage you have. Come on. That's the desire and the normalcy that God desires for us, the church, right? And so, you know, when you think about it, when it comes to this divine nature and what belongs to us, in all reality, it's just a matter of us not knowing what belongs to us or allowing the enemy to steal it from us. That's why we're purposing to take it back because he has duped the church for too long and it's time that we take it back. And, and when I say we don't know what belongs to us, I was just talking with some minister friends. We were talking about just life and uh, growing up and things of that nature. And this particular woman, she said, uh, once they got older in life and were able to be more self-sufficient, they began to try to help her mother. Her mother was very kind of... Uh, impoverished and just again the way that she thought she said you know growing up my mom would always uh, uh, embarrass me because she would go to school for uh, you know teacher conferences or things of that nature and she would have all these different colors and prints and things in her attire that just didn't go together and and back in the day you know they you know you had those stockings you know leg stockings but then she would go to 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 school and they would be rolled down around her ankles and she said my mom just looked a sight and she's like, Mom, quit wearing that kind of stuff when you go to school. You're embarrassing me. So as they got older and were able to kind of help take care of their mom, they said one time what they did is they took their mother or her mother out shopping and bought a closet full of brand new clothes that would help her kind of be in fashion and, and look more up to date and not look so tattered in her appearance. And she said her mom would always go to the other closet and wear the old stuff because it was what she knew, it was what was comfortable. And see, that's what happens to us as believers. God has made us have this access to a closet full of life and godliness and a life full of vigor, a life that is genuine, but we keep going back to the old closet and saying, well, this is what I know. Amen? And so we've got to discover what God has made available in this divine nature that he says, I want you to experience. It's a good life. It's a life that you can begin to know. So if there is some things for us as as believers, he says, I have given you this divine nature, and I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know, it doesn't take a Greek scholar to to define all things. All things means all things, right? Right? God has given us all things that pertain to this life and godliness. 
well, I thought it was just coming to church and singing Kumbaya and having a good time. And, you know, they, well, you know, they got to pass the offering bucket and then they talk at us for a while. No, that's not the godliness that he's talking about. He says, I've given you all things. Everybody say all things. So you mean all things that pertains to my marriage? Yep. All things that pertain to my kids? Yep. All things that pertain to my bank account? Yep. All things that pertain to my health? Yep. All things that pertain to our relationship with God? Yep. All things are all things. But yet we have been living this life going about not knowing what's in our closet. But man, we're taking it back this year. We're taking back what belongs to us. We're learning how to experience the life that Jesus came to give us. We're coming back to a place of having a smile on our face. And you know, people are going to ask you, well, don't you have a bad day? Well, there's bad days that come, but I just choose not to let them make me have a bad day. I can still have a smile in the midst of a storm. I can still have joy in the midst of great sorrow. Why? Because he's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. Praise God. Amen. Amen. So, as we said, if there's some things that have become normal, things that are trying to, uh, uh, things that, that are trying to come against our happiness, if you will, then we have lost sight of what Jesus has made available, right? But every single person is endeavoring to experience those same things. You notice he said there is the normal person that's just living life apart from Christ. And then there is the above normal, the supernatural, meaning that God puts his super on your natural and your life should look different, right? He said there is this life that we desire to have, but everybody is desiring the same thing. Come on, if you don't desire fulfillment in your life, raise your hand. If you don't desire to have joy and happiness, raise your hand. You mean you all do? So you must be just like everybody else. And the Bible says that everybody else apart from Christ is desiring the same things you are. But he says, I've given you an inside scoop. I've given you some inside information. I've made it available for you to experience this. Amen. So if we're not experiencing it, that simply means that either it's been taken from us or we just don't know what we have. Amen. All right, so concerning this normalcy that everybody desires, this life, how is it that those apart from Christ try to experience it? Those that are apart from Christ try to find joy and fulfillment and happiness through career, through money, through relationships, through stuff, vacations, activities. But have you ever noticed that those individuals that are consistently looking towards stuff, towards things, towards activities, are the ones that ends up making decisions that put themselves in debt? That causes their life to be overtired, to be so busy, to be frustrated, to be discouraged, to be, to be lonely, and ultimately just, just struggling through life. Right? Why is that? Because stuff never brings fulfillment. I'll be the first to tell you that I enjoy shopping. <laughs> I, I like, I mean, I like shoes. My wife says, I got more shoes than she does. 
I just hang on to them, you know. Like, why, why don't you get rid of those? I don't know. They, they're comfortable, you know. I, I, you know, I like guns. I like motorcycles. I like fishing and hunting. I mean, I like all that stuff. And when you get something new, man, it's gratifying, isn't it? But that gratification only lasts for a second. I mean, how many likes getting a new car? Have you ever gotten a new car and just like the new smell? Oh, the new car smell, and you're driving down the road, and you're thinking, man, this is cool. And then the kids get in there. And then it no longer has the new car smell. It smells like McDonald's french fries, right? And it's got the grime and the grit and all the stuff in the carpet, and you're thinking, dear God, this is a brand-new car. Well, see, stuff never brings fulfillment, But God says this, that in me, you'll find contentment and fulfillment, but the stuff will just come along the way because it's just part of my desire for you to experience life and life more abundantly. Amen? So how do we as believers begin to experience this life that Peter was talking about? Well, we see over here in Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 19, the apostle Paul begins to Help us understand some things. He says this, and, and that you may come to know practically and through experience the love of Christ which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Remember, Peter said that, listen, in order for you to experience this life and that it increases, it's accompanied with knowledge. Paul's saying the same thing. He says, listen, when you get knowledge as to how much God loves you, you'll begin to have a life that far surpasses and have a knowledge of knowing God without ex- not without experience, but that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Verse 20 says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose, and do superabundantly more than we can uh, than we can dare ask, think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, our hopes, our dreams, according to Him, according to His power, the divine nature, the divine power that works within us. Come on, Paul's saying the same thing as Peter was. He says, I want you to experience this life. He said, it's beyond your greatest desires. It's beyond your greatest hopes, beyond your greatest dreams. But it comes with knowing him. But then he goes on to say this, that when it comes to experiencing this life, it's about having a life that is full of God. See, why is it that the world is always looking to the career, to the stuff, to the things, to the vacations to bring fulfillment, and it's only short-lived? The reason is is that they're looking for something to fill their lives, but God says, I truly want to fill your life so that you can experience this life I came to give. Amen. And he says, you can experience it. Now, wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you were a faith preacher. I thought you always said that we walk by faith and not by sight. That's true. But I want to ask you a question. Has anybody went to Cedar Point before? Yes, I know. Have you ever went down a roller coaster? Okay. Did you have an experience with a roller coaster? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I took my little girls. We went to, to what was that, uh, 
Michigan Adventure. And say, I was trying to get them on the roller coasters, but they're like, no, we're not going on the roller coaster. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll kind of trick them into it to this one ride. And it was the ship ride that goes up and it goes down like this. Like, and it kind of gives you that sensation of the roller coaster. And so we get on it. And my oldest daughter did really good, but my middle daughter, she's sitting right next to me. And we start to go up and it starts to tickle your tummy. She goes, oh. And it goes up higher again. Whoa. Then it's going up. She's like, I want off. I want off. <laughs> Dad, get us off here. Well, why? Because she had an experience, right? I mean, it's been several years that my wife and I, we went, you know, we were kind of uh, older. We, uh, in fact, we went on our honeymoon on the way back from getting married. So that was like when we were in our uh, 20s. And then I, I think when we went to did roller coasters, it was like we were in our 40s. And roller coasters are not the same as they were when you were in your 20s. We did that one uh, roller coaster, uh, what is it, the drag racer thing down in Cedar Point? And, and when it comes out of the chute, I mean, it's like, bam, I mean, and you're flying. And it literally made me scream. <laughs> Never had a roller coaster do that. But, but when it takes off, I mean, you're, go, you're flying down the runway, I mean, and it don't let up. And it caught me off guard. I'm like, oh, I had an experience. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, mothers. When you had your children, did you have an experience? (laughs) Yes. My wife occasionally, she'll get with her girlfriends and they'll start talking about the experience. What am I saying? God wants us to experience him. Anything in life has an experience attached to it, right? If you're coming to church and you're not having an experience, it's either something wrong with the church or something wrong with you. Because when you come in contact with a God that created the universe, you're going to have an experience. Amen. When you come in contact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, when you come in contact with the resurrected Jesus, you're going to have an experience. We've had people say before, because we talk about our Sunday morning experience. Well, you just talk about the experience because you're putting the lights on the stage and all the stuff. And when I, <laughs> listen, church ought to be an experience, not an experience of entertainment. It's an experience with a God that loves you. Amen. And I'm telling you what, when you experience him, it changes your life. How come I can't not talk about Jesus? How come Jesus is such a part of my life? Because I've had an experience with him. And it wasn't a one-time experience. It's a continual experience of knowing him. When I get into his word and I read the word of God, I have an experience because he's talking with me. When I get into a time of prayer and fellowship with him, I have an experience because it's not about talking to a God that's just so far off and maybe he hears me or he he doesn't. He shows up when I start talking to him. I have an experience. And when you have an experience with him, it changes life and no longer is life normal. Life becomes this life that is empowered by God. And we're taking it back because of this relationship with God. Amen. When it comes to our relationship with God and learning what God has made available in this divine nature, if you will, you've got to understand some things. The more full that you are of Him, the more that you experience Him. 
And there's ways that you can become full. And we're going to talk about that in days ahead. But let me tell you, the enemy doesn't want you full. And life will be sure to it that you're not full of him. And if you're not full of him, you'll find that you lack having those experiences with him. Now, when you purpose to be full, you're going to face opposition. When you make the decision, I'm going after God. I want more of God. I want this life that he made available to me. I'm purposing to take it back. You're going to face opposition. Now, God says, don't think it's a strange thing. And he says, the reason being is he says, because when opposition comes, it makes you stronger. When opposition comes, it causes you to trust and dig into him more. Right? You realize that opposition helps build fortitude in your Christian walk with God. That's why it says over here in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says, But those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in Him, will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow faint or grow tired. Do you know that an eagle does not gain height or rise through flapping his wings? An eagle soars through turbulent wind. He finds the current of turbulence and allows it to lift him higher. See, God says those times of struggle, those times of challenge, those times that you have to hunker down and trust him, what it does is it lifts you higher and higher and higher because it's building character, fortitude, and trust in the God that you serve. Amen? But then, when opposition comes, and we turn, uh, uh, tuck tail and run, the enemy counts on that. He's looking to instill fear in your life so that you won't allow yourself to continue to turn towards God. I was listening to one preacher that we know. He said this. He went over to, I think it was over to uh, New Zealand. And he said, when he got over there, he said he went running. And he says, there's all these birds that are all over the place, but they can't fly. He said, they just got tiny little wings. And he said, they just flap their wings. He said, but they can't fly. They just run. And he asked the question. He says, how come your birds have little tiny wings. There's, there's very few birds that I've seen here that actually fly. And he said, or what they told him, is the reason why they have little wings is because they've evolved that way because there is no natural predator. There's nothing there that comes against them. And so as a result, they just got these little wings because there's no reason for them to have to soar. Come on. So listen, if you don't have any opposition going on in your life, you're just going to sit there with little wings. Oh, God, I wish you would do something. And God says, come on, once you soar a little bit higher. Come on, don't think it's strange when opposition comes or trials come. He says, it's a time for you to trust in me and allow yourself to be full. Amen? And it's in that place that you begin to take it back. Praise God. Now, I'll close with this 
story. It'll take me a minute when I say I'm going to finish with a story. You know what that means, right? (laughs) The reason I say that because I don't want you to shut down on me. I want you to hear what I'm going to share with you. There's some minister friends of ours that uh, have been ministering. They're missionaries down in South Africa, or not South Africa, South America. And they've probably been down there for about 30 years now. And she was just sharing a story with us just not too long ago. I think it was about two weeks ago. And she was telling us about some of the stories that they experienced while they have been there. And they said, uh, going down there, they established their base. And in this particular city, I don't remember the name of it, but that's where their home was and where they live. But their ministry or what they're endeavoring to do is establish, establish churches in the jungle. And so they would start churches in several of the churches that they've started in the jungle were approximately 10 hours away to get to. And she was saying there was this one particular year that these students came down, uh, Bible school students, that wanted to come down and help them do some mission work, kind of a short-term mission thing. And so they came down, 50 students, and so they got ready to go into the bush or into the jungle, rather, to minister to these churches that they had established. Well, so they loaded up 50 uh, students in canoes because the only way that you could get to those churches or to those uh, uh, uh tribes, if you will, in the, in the jungle was by canoe or going down the river. And you couldn't go through the jungle because it was just too thick and too many wild things that could get you. And so she said, as they began to start on their journey going down the river, they said, you know, they had to start out early because it was 10 hours to get where they needed to be. And you didn't want to be caught out in the jungle at night because of all the things that could get you. And then they said, because of how the, 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 the climate was, that when you were out at night, that's when it rained. And they said that the rivers could rise 16 foot just overnight. And so you did not want to be caught in the jungle, in the rivers at nighttime. So they're on their way going through the rivers. And they come to this place where this tree had fallen across the river. And it was a very large tree. And so as they got up to the tree, they had to get out on the tree. And they started hacking away with their, with their uh, machetes. And they got... Uh, uh, to a place where they cut it out deep enough to where the canoes could get through, and they did. But as they were going through, all of a sudden, over 200 tarantulas fell into one of the canoes. And she said, you can imagine how these young students started to respond. <laughs> she started to, hey, you got to settle down. And she told them how to handle them and how to dispose of, of tarantulas. So they ended up getting on down the river and they pulled up shore and they got into the village of where they were headed to. And all these children come running and they're, they're ministering to the kids and they're handing out books and they're just loving on the kids. And the books that they're handing out are basically picture story books. There's, there's, there's stories or writing in there as well, but basically telling the story of Jesus. And off to the side is the witch doctor that is just standing there watching. And so the Lord said to Jeannie, go take him one of those books. And she's like, God, I don't want to. And she, the Lord said to her, said, go take him one of those books. So he gave it to him and he took it. Later that night, everybody's in bed. They're all tucked in, uh, into their quarters. The girls over into one place and the boys over in another. And the Lord said to Jeannie, go into the women's bunk. That witch doctor has put a snake in there. Go get it. So she ended up going and getting one of the fellows. They went in there, and sure enough, right where God told her the snake was, there it was. They killed the snake, and everybody was okay. Well, the next day, the witch doctor came, and he says, I want to get saved. I want Jesus. Well, the tribe was 
a little bit skeptical because this witch doctor was not only a strong witch doctor within their tribe, he was the strongest witch doctor within the entire country. And I could tell you story after story. In fact, some of the things you see on TV that you think they're just ghost stories, well, they got to get their example from somewhere. And some of that stuff is real. So they were a little bit skeptical, but he says, I want Jesus. And he says, I read your book last night. Now listen, he don't speak English, he don't read English, but somehow he had the power and the ability to read that book. And upon doing so, he said, I want Jesus. So they led him to the Lord. Then, just a couple days later, they were having an open air meeting where they're just going to be ministering to the tribes that were there in the area. And this witch doctor came up and he said, listen, I want to tell my story. And Dennis said that he don't generally let people or the witch doctors tell their story because generally what they do when they get up and start telling their story, they start telling their story about all the curses that they put on people, all the people that have died because of what they've done. And therefore what they do is they put fear within the people. And he says, that's how they control people and keep them from receiving the gospel is putting fear in them. And so he said, initially he said, no, but then the Lord said to him, let the witch doctor tell him his story. So, they're out there ministering, sharing the love of Jesus. They invite the witch doctor up. The witch doctor came up. He says, listen, I gave my heart to Jesus. He said, but when these people came to South America, I knew they came. He said, in fact, every time I've ever seen them, there is such great light that shines from them. And everybody knows who they are because of the light that comes forth from them. And it's the power of God that's in them. He said, there's been several times that I've went to put curses on them at their house. He says, but I can never get close enough to the house. He says, because there's two great, large, huge men that stand outside of their house like this. And he says, we could never get to them. And he said, so from a distance, we had purpose to put curses on them. He says, but every time we try to put a curse on them, it came back on me seven times greater. He said, 10 days ago, I knew that they were coming. He said, so I caused a big tree to fall over and block their way. He said, I sent tarantulas to attack them, but they're still here. He said, last night, I was reading about Jesus. And Jesus appeared to me and said, You either receive me or you'll spend eternity in hell. He said, my entire life, that's all I've known is hell. He said, I don't want to spend eternity there. And he gave his life to Christ. Amen. What's the moral of the story? The devil's not different. He's the same everywhere and anywhere. It might look different. But did you hear me say that the witch doctor controls the people through fear? He does that now. Fear that you're going to lose your money. Fear that you're going to lose your mind. Fear that you're going to lose your home. Fear that you're going to lose your kids, your marriage, or whatever else. Fear that you're not going to make it. It might look different. It might come a different way. But the root of it and the tactic of it is the same thing. Is that you will walk and live in fear and not experience the life that Jesus came to give.
But when you know who He is, when you've had an experience with the resurrected Jesus, you're not afraid of what comes your way because you know that I've got a divine nature. I've got something that Jesus came to give me, a life and a life more abundantly. I don't have to be afraid because the greater one's on the inside of me. And if the greater one's in you, then he's made you great. Amen. Let's stand. We always hear the story of David and Goliath. You know why we always hear about the story of David and Goliath? It's because he was up against a great giant. And it seemed impossible. If we heard of the story of David in the midget, we would never be talking about it, would we? But we hear the story of David and the giant. And you'll hear people say, oh, it's a David and Goliath story, as though it's an impossible situation. But when it came to David and Goliath, he knew who his God was. He didn't go there thinking he was the underdog. He went in there knowing who he was. He knew what the outcome was. So you might think, I've got a David and Goliath story. Great! That means you win! Everything that the devil's trying to take from you, God says, I've provided it for you. Take it back. Take it back. Take back your joy. Take back your life. Take back your happiness, your marriage, your kids. Because he's given us the divine nature that the normalcy of a child of God is to be victorious. Amen. Come on. This is your year. This is your season. You're in the right place at the right time. Don't give up. In the darkest hour is when God comes through. Come on. He's got your back. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we thank you for these people that are here today. Those that are listening online. God, I thank you that it's a divine appointment that we hear about the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, and that you have empowered us to experience this life. Oh, God, help us come to know what you've done for us. Help us come to know you personally, not being without experience, but truly experiencing the love and the nature of God in our lives. And so, God, we say that we're hungry for more of you. We say that we desire to know you. God, we may not know what that looks like. We don't know how to get there. But, God, you're beginning to help us know and understand. We're taking it back. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life